Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this UCL lunch hour lecture on adolescent mental health and the role of academic pressure. Thank you so much for joining us on World Mental Health Day. My name is Dr. Kate Merritt and I'm a senior research fellow at the UCL Institute of Mental Health and I'll be chairing today's lecture. It's my honour to introduce today's speaker, Dr. Marie Mueller. Marie Mueller is a research fellow in psychiatric epidemiology at the Division of Psychiatry at UCL. In 2023, she completed her PhD in environmental psychology, and in her current work, she studies the association between academic pressure and adolescent mental health, specifically anxiety, depression, and self-harm. And she's looking at this in the UK and in other countries, including Sweden and Japan. Uh, before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that we will have some time at the end of the lecture for questions, and these can be submitted at any point during Marie's talk. Uh, and you can do this by going to Slido, so just enter Slido into your internet browser, and also enter the event code Adolescent Mental Health. All the instructions uh, should be below in the description. Um, so with no further ado, I will now hand over to Marie for her talk. Thank you, Marie. Thank you very much, Kate, um, for the introduction. Um, yeah, so, the, so today is uh, World Mental Health Day, and I think that's a great opportunity to talk about adolescent mental health. And one of the factors that we think is or deserves more attention when we think about adolescent mental health, and that is academic pressure. So before I start this lecture, I would like to um, acknowledge Dr. Gemma Lewis and thank her for um, basically um, coming up with developing this whole project. So Gemma is the principal investigator on this um, project and she was awarded the uh, funding to run this five year project on um, academic pressure and adolescent mental health. So thank you very much to Gemma Lewis and also to all our collaborators on this project who provide lots of input and um, sort of ensure that we are running um, high quality uh, studies. So um, today I want to talk about adolescence as an important period for prevention. So this is the first thing I want to highlight today. Um, I will then talk about academic pressure and conceptualize it as a very complex construct um, and also will highlight that is a common experience in adolescence. I will then um, present some of the evidence that we have on the association between academic pressure and adolescent mental health. And I will talk about what we know, but also what we don't know about this association. And then I want to also briefly talk about what we will do in our project. In the end, I will um, mention some uh, potential implications for policy and public health. Um, and I want to highlight at the start of this um, talk that this will be quite a conceptual um, sort of exploration of the, the role of academic pressure um, because all our studies are still ongoing. So I can't present you with any you know, hard findings um, from our studies, but I want to highlight academic pressure as an important factor and sort of emphasize that it is important that we look into this factor in the future. So I want to um, start this lecture with um, talking about the uh, global burden of disease and also the contribution of mental disorders to this global burden of disease. So um, we can measure the global burden of disease with so-called disability adjusted life years or DALIs. 
And one DALI represents the loss of the equivalent of one year of full health. And this was either due to premature mortality or due to years left with disability. So essentially, um, a DALI is um, a, a measure to quantify the global burden of disease. So we can look at, uh, look at this globally, but we can also compare countries and we can co compare different disorders and diseases. Um, so this gives us the opportunity to also um, see how much do mental disorders contribute to this global burden. And um, in 2019, mental disorders were associated with 125 million global DALIs, and this accounted for 5% of all DALIs. Now, I already said that um, this measure includes both premature mortality and years, years lived with disability. So if we only focus on years lived with disability, um, mental disorders actually account for almost 15%, so um, a larger proportion. Um, this is sort of suggest suggestive um, of the fact that um, mental disorders may impact more years lived with disability than premature mortality, but actually the authors of the study um, who estimated these numbers also highlight that this may also be partly due to um, you know, limitations of the estimation. So um, it is also affecting premature mortality. Also, um, I would like to know that um, of all mental disorders, depressive and anxiety disorders seem to contribute most to all um, global DALI, so most to the global burden of disease. Um, another point I want to make is that um, most mental disorders start in adolescence, and this is sort of why adolescence is such an important period for prevention. Um, so there is a paper um, that has been published in 2005, and it has been cited a lot to highlight this point. Um, and they were essentially interested in the lifetime prevalence, but also the age of onset of mental disorders. And this paper um, essentially estimated that 50% of all mental disorders start by the age of 14 years, and 75% start by the age of 24 years. We tend to define adolescence as the period between 10 and 24 years. Um, so this highlights that when 75% start by the age of 24 years, this really highlights that really most mental disorders seem to start in the period um, of adolescence. I want to also um, highlight a more recent study um, that sort of asked a similar question and was also interested in the age of onset of mental disorders. Um, the numbers that they estimated are a bit different, um, and I don't mean to compare those two studies and the numbers um, directly. It is only to illustrate that in a more recent study also suggests that um, most mental disorders start in adolescence. So this is just to highlight the point. Um, a third point I wanted to make is that um, it seems that mental disorders are rising among adolescents. Um, and this um, can be seen not only in the UK, but also in other parts of the world. Um, it is something that most researchers would agree on, I think, that uh, mental disorders are rising among adolescents, although some studies actually don't find this. So it's, it's, it does seem to depend on um, the country you look at, um, maybe even the time period you look at, and also how you, um, for example, measure mental disorders or mental health problems. But generally, so that seems to be an agreement that we see a, a rise in mental disorders. And I want to give you an example from England, um, just some data to illustrate this. 
So before I uh, will look at this figure, um, I want to explain what this study is. So essentially, the NHS collected and analyzed data on approximately 3,000 children and young people in England um, for the years 2017, 2020, 2021, and 2022. So this allows for a comparison across years. Um, and they then estimated the percentages of probable mental disorders representative for the entire population of children and young people. So this is important to note because obviously the study only looked at around 3000 children and young people, but there are ways to um, ensure or at least um, approximately um, a kind of a representative estimate for the entire population. Um, so the numbers that we see here should be um, applicable to um, the entire population of children and young people in England. Um, I want to give an example before we look at the graph. So um, for example, in 17 to 19 year olds, the percentage of a probable mental disorder rose from 10% in 2017 to 18% in 2020. Um, so this is a, quite a significant increase within only three years. Um, I would also uh, like to mention actually that probable mental disorders uh, means that these are not based on diagnoses of uh, mental disorders, but it's essentially a screening measure where when children reach a certain certain score on that measure, um, they are probable to have a mental disorder. So this, this is not based on diagnoses. Um, so the, the, the numbers that I just presented can be seen on uh, the, the right-hand side, so the right panel in this figure. Um, so this is on 17 to 19 year olds and the, the uh, 10 to 18% increase I just um, described can, can be seen quite, quite well in this graph. Um, and the same uh, increase, uh, less significant maybe, but still um, quite a big increase um, was, can, can be seen in seven to 16 year olds, so on the left-hand side of this graph. In the seven to 16 years, we then see sort of um, no further increase in the um, next two years, but in the 17 to 19 years on the right side, we see an additional increase in 2022. Um, I'm not sure why exactly, so I wouldn't want to speculate too much about this. I wonder whether COVID maybe played a role in this, um, but um, I wouldn't want to speculate about the reasons too much. But what this slide is um, supposed to illustrate is that we, we, we see an increase and definitely not a decrease in um, mental disorders in adolescents. So um, the three points I just made about essentially mental dis disorders contributing significantly to the global burden of disease, then that mental disorder seems to start or mostly start in adolescence, and then also the potentially increasing um, numbers of mental disorders in adolescence all highlight that we need to pay attention to mental health and mental health problems in adolescence. And this suggests that um, adolescence may be an important period for prevention of mental health problems. So the question we need to ask is, what are the factors that actually influence adolescent mental health? And specifically, what are the factors that we can modify? So, because there is many factors that may influence mental health in adolescents, not all of them may be modifiable, but some of them are. And um, if we can address these, um, then that could actually help us to prevent the um, start of mental health problems or disorders in adolescents. So this brings me to academic pressure, because this is one of the factors that has been highlighted 
um, as an important, a potentially important factor by students, by teachers, and also by parents. Um, so uh, I want to now talk about this construct, um, academic pressure, and what we mean by that. So I think most people will have an idea of what we mean by academic pressure, sort of sense for just all the stress that students experience in schools and because of their schoolwork. Um, but if we want to actually define it or conceptualize, conceptualize it, um, we need to be a bit more specific. And when we look at the literature and also when we talk about um, academic pressure with young people and ask them to define it, um, we can see that there are multiple dimensions that are relevant. So uh, one important dimension is fear of failure, and there's concerns about the future, stress about workload and exams, worries about parent and teacher expectations, and also competition with peers for grades. So there may be um, other dimensions. There may also be multiple ways to kind of, you know, measure these dimensions almost in like a more nuanced way. But I, what I want to emphasize is that we have all these different dimensions, and I think it is important that we understand that we, we need to look at all of these. Um, so for the assessment or the measurement of academic pressure in research and studies, we need to consider these different dimensions, but they are also relevant for prevention because we may find that some of these are more relevant than others for mental health problems. Um, or we may see that some of these are easier to modify than others. So it is important to um, consider this and um, not just ask, for example, do you feel pressured by school? Because what does that actually mean? You know, there may be so many explanations for that pressure. Um, what I also want to highlight here and then on the next slide is that adolescents actually cite academic pressure as one of the top influences on their mental health. So this, um, this, this essentially suggests that you know, we need to listen to young people and what they think um, is important in their lives and affects their mental health. And adolescents say that academic pressure is one of the main influences on their mental health. Um, so it is almost a bit surprising that we didn't pay more attention um, on this in the past. Um, and it sort of highlights that we need more research on this because um, we also want to see this obviously in our studies and the data and provide evidence for this um, association. So um, as I just said, academic pressure is a very common experience. And this um, is highlighted by conversations that we have with students and teachers where they cite academic pressure as a very common experience and as a big problem in secondary schools in the UK. But it's also highlighted by some statistics. Um, so we have some numbers as well that sort of illustrate this point. So for example, um, in 2018, 60% of 15-year-olds in the UK agreed that they experienced fear of failure. And um, this is one of the dimensions that I just presented as important for academic pressure. In 2019, 77% of young people under the age of 25 um, in the UK agreed that pressure to do well at school had a significant effect on their mental health. So this um, not only suggests the common experience, but also the effect or the potential effect on mental health that we are interested in. And then um, there's also data suggesting that 
the experience of academic pressure is increasing or has, has increased in the past years. So for example, um, in 2014, 17% of adolescents in England had experienced a lot of pressure from schoolwork, uh, and this increased to 24% in 2018. So we see that the experience seems to be increasing. And um, what is also important to mention is that this actually looks at 11 to 15 year olds. Um, if we only look at 15 year olds, so the older adolescents, we see higher numbers. So we see um, more like 25% um, in 2014 and then 40% in 2018, which suggests that age plays a role. So older adolescents tend to experience higher levels of pressure. Um, now, as I already said, um, adolescents themselves say that academic pressure does affect their mental health. So um, Tom Steer and Gemma Lewis and colleagues were interested in whether we also see that in um, the literature. So they looked at all the studies out there and identified those that are relevant for our questions. So they were interested in studies that looked at the association between academic pressure and adolescent mental health. They identified 52 studies. And in fact, in 48 studies, there was a positive association between academic pressure or proximity to exams and mental health. Um, proximity to exams um, can be used as a proxy for academic pressure simply because one of the dimensions is um, worries about exams. So the closer um, students are to exams, the more pressure we expect. So proximity to exams, so timing within the year can be used as a proxy. So this was also um, included in this literature review. Um, it should be noted that most studies uh, were actually from Asian countries or European countries, um, also from Northern America. Um, and also interesting that these studies tend to look at different uh, mental health outcomes. So some look at depression, some look at anxiety, some look, look, look at suicide. And then what I personally find most interesting is the uh, measure of academic pressure. So how do they actually assess that in the studies? And also that is very varied across studies. So some um, use just one item, some use a scale, and some um, use, for example, proximity to exams as a proxy. So there's lots of variation in these studies, but it is then interesting to see that actually most of them, almost all of them did find positive association. So this is evidence um, that there is a link and it seems to be quite obvious and clear, but there are some limitations that are really um, important to mention and that are sort of also um, driving our whole research project. So the first limitation, it's really important, is that most studies were cross-sectional. Um, and what we mean by that is that um, we basically take cross-section in time. We, we look at one time point um, and we measure academic pressure and mental health problems at the same time point. So what we are interested in is the effect of academic pressure on mental health. But if we now go into schools and ask all the students about their academic pressure, the experience of academic pressure and the mental health problems, um, we see, we, we don't know whether it is actually academic pressure causing mental health problems or whether it may be the other way around um, because we, we look at everything at the same time. So th this is really, really important um, 
because it is a key limitation, because it means that we can't be sure that academic pressure is actually the cause of mental health problems. But that's what we need to know if we want to, um, if we want to prevent mental health problems by reducing academic pressure. So we, we need to understand the causality, but with cross-sectional studies, um, that is not really possible. So this is one of the main limitations. And um, it means that we need longitudinal studies. And um, longitudinal studies essentially means that we measure academic pressure before we measure mental health. So for example, um, academic pressure will be measured at time point one, let's say age 14 years, and then mental health problems will be measured at time point two, for example, um, age 16 years, so two years later. And this sort of helps us to reduce the, the problem that maybe mental health problems cause academic pressure because we can't really cause something that is in the past. There is other things we need to do to our models to um, actually ensure that this is true, but th this is sort of a key element. And it is also one of the key contributions of our research that we will look at this association in a longitudinal way. Another major um, limitation I would say in the literature is that the measures of academic pressure were often limited. Um, this is because, as I said already, academic pressure is a complex construct and it's difficult to capture. And there's not that many scales that actually measure academic pressure um, sort of comprehensively. Um, so looking at the literature, as I already said, there are some um, studies that only use one item to measure academic pressure. There's some studies that use um, timing within the year as a proxy. And I already said that that is a good, that, that is a proxy. But the problem is that, for example, when we find something like um, after school breaks so or at the beginning of term, we see more um, suicides. That sort of suggests that maybe academic pressure plays a role in this, but also there are so many other things that happen at the start of a new term. So there may also be um, social um, factors such as you know, peer problems, bullying, that may cause or contribute to, for example, higher rates of suicide. So we can't, it is a proxy, but we don't really measure it directly. So that's also a limitation. And then um, the scales that have been uh, developed uh, have been developed mainly um, for Asian contexts, and uh, they may actually be quite different to the UK context. Um, so there are these limitations with the measure of um, academic pressure, and um, this led to the development of the academic pressure questionnaire, um, the APQ, which is another tool to measure academic pressure in secondary school students in the UK. Um, this measure has been co-produced by Gemma Lewis together with the research advisory group of young people. So rather than just coming up with some items and assuming that that is what, is, what measures academic pressure, um, Gemma Lewis actually um, talked to young people and included their perspectives and views and expertise to develop a measure that actually measures academic pressure as experienced by UK secondary school students. So this is a um, great advantage of this measure. Another advantage is that we will actually cover um, multiple dimensions that I've uh, mentioned earlier. Um, and 
a great thing is that we will actually obviously be able to publish this so other people can use it, but also we will add it to longitudinal studies in the UK to generate longitudinal data um, of academic pressure. So um, I want to give you some examples from our measure. Um, I, I can't really um, show you the whole questionnaire yet because it's still under development and not published, but I want to um, at least give you sort of a taste of it and um, uh, some examples and also um, examples of the, um, for the responses to our questionnaire. Um, because we actually have quite a large data set, which is um, really exciting to sort of see how our um, academic pressure measure works. So um, we've got data on around 6,000 students from England who completed the APQ. And this was part of um, the positive choices trial. So this is essentially a school intervention to support um, sexual health in secondary school students. So this has nothing really to do with our question, but positive choices included our measure of academic pressure in um, their assessment. So that provided us with um, a large data set um, and allows me to now present some preliminary findings. So I want to present two items to you as examples. So the first one is I worry about doing well in tests and exams. So this is one of the items included in our measure. And of those 6,000 students, 70% agreed or strongly agreed with this statement. And I think this is interesting because it's first of all, um, obviously a high proportion, but also this is in 12 to 13 year olds. So we can expect that this number maybe even higher in older adolescents. For example, in 15-year-old adolescents to actually take um, you know, GCSE exams, which, which tend to be quite, uh, quite stressful for students. So 70% is, is a very high proportion. Um, a second item we include is my parents' expectations about grades put me under pressure. And 30% um, of the around 6,000 students agreed or strongly agreed with this statement. So this is obviously much lower, but it's still quite a, a large proportion. Um, and I think what this illustrates well is that, first of all, the uh, items seem to measure different things. So it means that it is a good idea to actually have multiple measures in our, I'm sorry, items or questions in our measure. And it also illustrates that there are inter-individual differences in the experience of academic pressure. And um, this is important for sort of statistical reasons. So we need that variation to be able to see whether there is an association with mental health problems. But it's also interesting just generally to, you know, to see that not everyone uh, worries about doing well in tests and exams and not everyone um, it feels pressure from their parents, but quite a few, like a significant number of students seem to do. So this is, um, sort of confirming what we've seen also in the statistics I present, present before, it is a very common experience. Now, um, because we are interested in the association uh, between academic pressure and mental health, we also wanted to see whether we find that um, with our measure, our new measure of academic pressure. So um, in positive choices, we had our measure of academic pressure, um, included and um, completed by, by students. The scores on the actual scale range from zero to 28 and high scores um, suggest high academic pressure. Um, 
we also had a measure of mental health, um, in particular depressive symptoms. And this was measured with the patient health questionnaire. And um, these scores range from zero to 24. So high scores um, um, suggest more severe depressive symptoms. So we were now able to actually look at the association between the two. Um, I'll explain uh, the graph in a second. I just want to mention that this is um, including around 3,000 adolescents, so um, a smaller number than all of the adolescents included in positive choices. Um, and that is because we only include those that have data on um, the APQ and the PHQ, but also on other important variables that we think um, may be relevant in this association. So we only, um, we only include those that have data on all variables, which is why we see a decrease in sample size. But this is still um, a really, a really large number. Um, so in, in this graph, well, what we did is essentially group adolescents into five academic pressure groups, where group one um, is, is the group with the least or the lowest academic pressure, and group five is the, the group with the highest academic pressure. And then for each group, we calculated the average depressive symptoms score, um, and then just plotted this here. So on the y-axis, you can see um, the, the, the depressive symptom score. Um, and it is very, very clear that the lower or the low academic pressure group has also the lowest average depressive symptom score, whereas the high group has the highest um, depressive symptom score on average. Um, the blue bars, the light blue bars, um, just, suggest, just show that there is still variation within those groups. So. Um, in, for example, group five, all of them seem to experience high levels of pressure or the highest levels of pressure in the sample, um, but there's variation in, in their depressive symptoms. But on average, they have the highest. So this is just um, a descriptive sort of illustration of the association. We then also did this, this in, a, in a little bit more sophisticated way where we wanted to um, predict the depressive symptom score with our academic pressure measure. Um, and not only looking at those two variables, but also including other variables that um, we think may explain part of the association. So this is just a way to ensure that our estimate of the association between those two um, variables is actually accurate and not um, for example, inflated by other variables that we haven't considered. So this is a bit, it, it, it's, a, it's a more accurate way of assessing the um, association, um, but we see the same, clearly the same pattern where um, with higher scores on the academic pressure questionnaire, we also see higher scores on the PHQ. So this is essentially showing that there seems to be this association that we also saw in the previous literature. Um, but this is something you already saw. Um, obviously, we also have the same limitation here, na namely that we measured both at the same time. So although there seems to be an association, again, we don't know which direction. And the, the reason why we didn't look at this is essentially that we are just waiting for the data. So we will have at some point data on mental health um, at a later time point, 
And then we can look at this in a longitudinal um, way. And that will be really interesting to see how much the um, association changes when we consider the um, sort of the, the longitudinal element. So um, I want to basically just summarize what I've already mentioned before. What is our kind of main contributions now? Because um, as I said, all, all studies are ongoing, so I can't really show you um, any you know, results yet, except for these prelim preliminary findings. Um, and I don't want to go into too much technical detail on the details of each study, but I want to highlight the, the key contributions. So the first contribution um, that hopefully helps us to understand the association between academic pressure and adolescent mental health better is that we will look at this question from different angles or perspectives. So we call that triangulation. So we, rather than just looking at one study, we will look at multiple studies. So we will run multiple studies and we will um, use data, longitudinal data that are kind of different types. So we will look at co cohort studies where we follow a cohort over time, but we will also look at, for example, electronic, electronic health records. So that is um, primary care data, so GP records. Um, so these are just different types of data and we will also use different methodologies to then um, look at the association. Um, so this is, this is one element, but then also we will look at um, different countries. So we will of course look at the UK, but also Japan, Sweden and um, Australia. And together um, this helps us to generate multiple pieces of evidence. And this is important because every study comes with some sort of error and uncertainty. So this may be due to the sample, maybe the sample is not representative. It could be because the academic pressure measure is not um, comprehensive and accurate enough. Um, it could be other um, statistical analysis reasons, so you know, um, error introduced by the method, the way we analyze the data. So there's always some sort of uncertainty that comes with our findings. So if we create multiple pieces of evidence that all have their, 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 own, their own type of uncertainty, let's say, we can then strengthen the confidence in our findings if all these studies point in the same direction. And I think that's also why it is um, so great that we actually have this five-year project to investigate this question rather than just running a project on the side and another study on the side. It's actually five years dedicated to looking at this really important um, association. And um, then, as I already said, we, um, of course, developed this new questionnaire and we will publish it and we will add it to longitudinal studies. And this is um, to encourage also other researchers to use this measure and to um, study academic pressure. And it is also to generate high quality longitudinal data for future research for ourselves, but also other people. So um, this is also really a major contribution because we, we need to understand academic pressure better and we need to measure it better. I want to briefly uh, talk about potential implications for policy and public health, um, because obviously with, with this project and the findings, we want to then have an impact on adolescent mental health via policy changes or public health interventions. 
So um, there are multiple sort of potential plausible ways to maybe address this problem. So there's multiple levels. And I just want to highlight um, where we could approach this, this problem, depending on the findings. So one level is um, education policy level. Um, so essentially, almost like a system change. So we can think about, for example, the GCSEs um, and how much pressure they seem to introduce in students um, and also how much about the importance of GCSEs and also A-levels for, for example, university admissions. Um, it, there is a very, very strong focus on sort of academic achievement and um, attainment and how that impacts basically your future, like the chances for your future and what you can do as a student. And that seems to be really pressuring. So that suggests that maybe this is something where we could tackle this. So if we find that academic pressure may actually cause mental health problems, um, or at least be associated and likely cause mental health problems, then you know this is something to um, to communicate and maybe also to address at an education policy level. Another level that is interesting is the, the school level. So um, for example, in our studies, we are also interested in whether there are differences between schools and academic pressure. And if so, then also in what school factors may influence academic pressure. So for example, there may be some sort of school culture that um, introduces more pressure in students. So this is sometimes reported by, by young people that their school just has this culture that everyone has to perform really well. So is this something where, you know, is this something where we could approach the problem? Um, and then finally, also um, there are other levels. So there's the family level. So what about parent expectations? Is there a way that we could reduce those? Um, and also at the individual level, so the student um, themselves, is there a way that we can either reduce the experience of, of pressure or if even if there is pressure, um, help the students to cope better with this pressure so it doesn't actually cause mental health problems? Um, so these are obviously questions rather than answers, um, first of all, because we don't have the findings, but also because this is so such a multi-level um, problem or issue. And we can also imagine that all these levels sort of are also interlinked. Um, so this is just to suggest that it, it is important to look at all of these depending on the findings. And there is a lot of room for an impact and for implications. Um, yeah, so I want to summarize basically the key points. Um, so first of all, adolescence is an important period for prevention. That's what I highlighted at the very start, um, because we see that mental health problems um, often start in adolescence. So we need to find the factors um, that impact this or influence this and that we can actually modify. And academic pressure seems to be a promising candidate for prevention, but um, it is a very complex construct. So it, it needs to be measured better and we need to understand the construct itself better, and then also how it impacts um, adolescent mental health. So although 
we see an association between academic pressure and mental health, um, both in, in the previous literature, but also in our own um, data. Um, the, the causal relationship is, is not clear. Um, so overall, what, what we need is better measures, which we hopefully provide to some extent by um, the APQ, and then also um, longitudinal studies to really understand better also the causal relationship between academic pressure and mental health. So if we find that there is an association and that it is maybe likely that academic pressure is actually a cause of mental health problems, then this can have implications for policy and public health. Um, so yeah, it is, I think, overall, the kind of the, the kind of the, the overall summary is that we it is it is clear that academic pressure is a is a is such a common experience and it's been reported so much, but it is just not well understood in, in the literature. The evidence is actually not that good for this relationship. So I think, so I hope that um, I could kind of make the point for this, for this research and the project and highlight that this is important and maybe even encourage some people to also um, maybe investigate this question in the future. Um, yeah, so, that is it actually. So there is some resources here. I don't know if these slides will be shared, but um, yeah, there is resources on uh, some papers, some blog posts, some of the statistics I presented. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's it. Um, thank you very much for um, your attention and I'm happy to answer any questions or also just take um, yeah, comments, feedback, suggestions. Thank you so much for a fantastic talk, Marie. And thanks to everyone watching who have submitted questions or voted for their favorites. Um, yeah, this is clearly a really important area and you've really made the case for why adolescence is a key period for intervention and why this is important now more than ever with the rising level of mental disorders. And this kind of leads us to our first question from the audience. They ask, how do you know that the increase in mental disorders in adolescence actually reflects an actual increase and not just an increase in the awareness of mental disorders? Yeah, no, that's a really, um, really good question. I think um, the, the general agreement is that we, we don't know for sure. So there may, will be multiple reasons. So there is, there is sort of, it's plausible, for example, that for example, rising rates of academic pressure may also cause sort of a rise in mental health problems. So there are the reasons for why we think that uh, there is an actual increase, but it's true that also the awareness, maybe the, um, the screening and the diagnoses are better today. So it, yeah, it may also partly be that. So yes, it is, it is a bit, bit difficult to kind of distinguish what is the actual drive for like the increase in the data that we see. But I think, even so, I think that just the absolute sort of number is already um, reason enough to still look at this. So even if we we can't be one hundred percent sure um, about the, the increase, it's clearly a lot of adolescents affected. So yeah, I think this still argues a lot for um, looking at this and prevention. Yeah, I completely agree. Like the increasing rates are alarming, but regardless, as you said, you know, half the mental disorders the onset as an adolescent, so it is an important time to intervene. Um, <laughs> also encourage people to keep submitting questions, there's some really good ones here. So you spoke about the different components that create academic pressure, 
And one audience member asks, is all pressure bad or could it be that some amount of pressure is good? For example, maybe it's motivational. Yeah, yeah, no, that's also a really good question. Um, I think we we often see that when we think about stress and performance, that um, some sort of levels of stress or I think it's often called arousal as well, um, are actually good for performance, but then too much is not good for performance. It's, sort of, it's, a, it's not a linear um, relationship. Um, it is a bit, it, it, I'm not 100% sure how this will, what this will look like for academic pressure and mental health. Um, so I think, yes, some academic pressure may be motivational, may potentially improve performance. Whether it affects mental health sort of almost positively, I'm not, I, I, I don't know. But it is true, it is likely that some levels of pressure are fine and only when we get into, like, get into very high levels of pressure or like, you know, higher levels of pressure that this then is a problem and then the students can't cope anymore and then they experience stress and then they experience mental health problems. So yeah, it is, um, it's a good point that there may also be sort of a non-linear relationship here. Um, you did mention that academic pressure may vary by school. Um, and one person asks, could you speculate, is there a difference between the amount of pressure felt by private school students uh, in comparison to grammar school students, in comparison to state school students? Yes. Um, I, I, yes, I can speculate that there may be differences just because of the kind of focus on achievement, I guess. Um, but I'm not sure that we have, I don't think there's evidence for this. So I can, I could speculate that I potentially would would expect higher levels of pressure maybe in the private schools, um, potentially maybe also due to parent expectations that may be higher. But I guess that's also then, yeah, it, it does depend a bit on the, on, on the pressure that we, the, the, the dimension of pressure that we are looking at. I, I, because I also think that some students may experience a lot of like um, stress about their future because they, they know that they actually they need to perform well and they really because otherwise they will not be able to you know quote unquote survive financially like there is you know so there may be different types of pressure but I don't think we have that there is no evidence for this so this, this is all speculation but it is it would be interesting to compare the different models or types of schools yeah it's true maybe overall similar type similar level of pressure but in very different ways yeah I think that just makes potentially sense. yeah um you did mention at the start when you were uh, speculating on why there has been such a sudden increase in mental disorders in adolescence and you did mention the COVID-19 pandemic um could you uh, speculate a little bit more on how do you think this did influence people's experience of academic pressure yeah, um, again, I don't think we have evidence. I think it's very difficult to distinguish, for example, academic pressure from other um, stresses. So for example, I, so I think, so school closures, for example, and GCSE cancellations in 2020 and 2021, I think that these are plausible factors to kind of affect 
um, academic pressure. But I, I think the direction is not necessarily clear because, for example, um, closures of schools could lead to more pressure because students and also parents may be worried that students don't achieve academically and that then may impact their future. But at the same time, I read somewhere that students reported um, that going back to school, that, that there was so much workload um, out of sudden that that was just not, they couldn't handle that compared to the closure time. So um, I think sort of both ways are plausible. I think it, it may really depend on individual circumstances. Um, but then also, for the GCSE exams, for example, so they were cancelled in 2020 and 2021, um, and GCSEs tend to be extremely pressuring for students. Um, so it is likely, but I'm not, I'm actually don't know exactly, but it's likely that the students then didn't experience that exam stress because they didn't need to take the exams. They were um, assessed in different ways. So I think that may have an effect then sort of experiencing lower pressure. But then apparently now that they had to take A-levels, they then were very worried because they never prepared for these types of exams because they didn't take the GCSE exam. So um, some students report that they just feel very anxious about the results because they never had to take these kind of exams before. So yeah, it's also all the, all the different directions of effects that I think are possible. Um. As we were mentioning before, you know, there may be some good aspects to academic pressure. Um, someone asks, do you know if academic pressure influences how well an adolescent actually performs academically? Is there any correlation between pressure and good performance? Yeah, um, so I think there is some evidence that academic pressure is negatively associated with performance. So it's not pressure doesn't mean that you then, you know, well, yeah, you will probably, um, yeah, it's a question, I, I actually don't know the mechanism, but um, yeah, it, there is some evidence that it's negatively associated, so it is not good for performance. And I guess that comes back to the question about how much pressure may be actually useful. So if there is some pressure, because, you know, it is important to perform well, and if you feel some pressure to do that, and then you actually perform well, because, you know, but you were not actually stressed by the levels of academic pressure, but if it's too much, that, that may not be good for your academic performance. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, okay, we have a question looking at your methodology. So you said we really need longitudinal studies to determine the cause and effect. Um, one audience member says that this can still sometimes be problematic and how you know, how is it problematic and how would you propose to overcome this using longitudinal data? Um, so, sorry, but what is the, what, but there's no, what is the problematic bit? It's just that there is a problem. So I guess um, maybe what were you control for? Uh, yeah, what, what mm. do you foresee in the longitudinal design? Uh, okay. Um, well, one thing that we need to do is, so that we basically also include the baseline mental health. So if we look at time point one, where we um, measure academic pressure and then time point two, we measure mental health. We would also include um, a mental health measure at time point one to adjust for the kind of the baseline level. Um, so because there may be still some influences there and that sort of um, helps us to ensure more that there is actually 
that direction of academic pressure on um, on mental health. So this is one thing we need to do. I guess one question generally with longitudinal studies is kind of the period between um, academic pressure in this case and mental health problems. So how long do we wait? Um, do we just look at like a one year difference or five years? So what, what is the actual, you know, interest, like the period of interest? And also it is likely that then with more time, we see um, a smaller association. Um, but for example, there was a study in Germany, um, quite a small sample, but they looked at um, pressure from schoolwork in adolescence and um, depressive symptoms five years later. And they did actually find this association still in, only in boys, but yeah, so five years seemed to be, for example, a period that you could, you could still see the association. So I guess, I guess that's another question, um, but I'm not sure, maybe um, the person can clarify in a comment in, in what they had in mind. Okay, thank you, Grace. Um, going to combine a few questions here. So uh, people are asking, um, is there any rationale for the countries that you'll be looking in? Uh, will you be looking or any plans to look at data from India, China or Africa? Um, I'm, I'm tagging this on. Can you speculate about the influence of cultural differences? Mm. Um, yeah, so Rational, I think partly it's always one of the explanations is the data that we have available. So um, we we are actually not lucky, but it is an advantage that we have data from different countries and not just the UK. So um, for example, the Japanese data will be really interesting to look at. And that sort of links back to the last question um, about potential cultural differences. Um, I will get back to that in a second, but yeah, essentially, um, it is an advantage that we have these different um, different countries. I think, for example, with Australia, Sweden, the UK, we may expect sort of similar associations. I think in Japan, as an Asian country, it, it seems to be extremely high levels of academic pressure, at least reported um, in the literature, but also anecdotally that Asian countries have really high expectations academically. Um, so the society, but also then the parents, and this seems to be um, affecting students quite a lot. So I wonder whether there, whether we will see differences in um, in the associations. It could again go both ways. I mean, um, it could be a stronger association because the, the pressure is higher, although that wouldn't really actually affect the association itself. It may also be that it, you know, they're all, all almost um, to say kind of used to that that culture. So I, the question is, is it actually impacting them more? Um, it's tricky. I, I would definitely expect higher levels of pressure in um, in Japan, for example. One problem that we have is that all these studies use different measures of academic pressure. So it is very difficult to um, compare the levels of pressure directly and um, the potential effect of pressure on mental health problems that's then a, a different question again. Um, and then there was a question about India, Africa. Yes, do you plan on looking at mm. India, Africa, China? Um, I, not in this project. Um, I, it's except we, we find a good data source that may be um, interesting and relevant, but I, it's not part of the initial sort of project. But you did say there's been quite a lot of work done previously in China? 
in yes in asian countries generally um right. yes but but again then the problem with many of those studies was that yeah they didn't look at it in a longitudinal way mm -hmm. um maybe moving on from cultural differences can you comment on any known gender differences do we see differences in academic pressure in girls and boys and how it um affects their mental health uh, yeah, good question. Um, so I think I mentioned earlier the effect of age, um, where we see you know, more pressure in older age groups. And we also see um, more pressure in girls compared to boys. So girls tend to um, experience or report higher levels of academic pressure. Um, this is what we see in all these kind of studies, the statistics I showed earlier, but also in our own uh, data that we now have, the positive choices data that are presented, we see that there is differences and they are quite significant. Um, so there seem to be differences in the experience of pressure. Um, the question then is, is there also a difference between boys and girls when it comes to the association with mental health problems? Because that's a slightly different question. Um, and I don't think so, because we don't really have evidence or, good enough evidence for the association, the, the general association, there is not much on sex differences or gender differences. Um, a few studies seem to suggest that there may be more of an association in boys than in girls. Um, and in one of our studies, we also find something in that direction, but it's again, not, you know, we're not finished with the study yet. So but that, so there seems to be something there, but yeah, it's not strong evidence. I wouldn't want to, you know, say that that is um, a fact. Okay. Um, I think I'll try to squeeze in two more questions. Uh, so you spoke a lot about the links between academic pressure and anxiety and depression. Do you know anything about the links with more severe mental health disorders, for example, psychosis? Oh, good question. Um, Actually, no. So in this literature review, um, they did not look at this. And I'm not aware of studies looking at, for example, psychosis. So it's a really good question, actually, because um, our, our project focuses on um, depressive symptoms, anxiety, self-harm, also suicide. Mm, but I also didn't come across studies on more severe mental health problems. So it's actually, um, I will actually look that up. I don't think there will be much, to be honest, but yeah, that's a really good question. Okay. All right. Last question, maybe ending on a more positive note. Um, do any studies look at protective factors, for example, uh, individual protective factors uh, in terms of management or coping strategies or parental factors, uh, helpful parents, helpful educators, things like this? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a really good question. I don't think there is much evidence on this for like the academic pressure mental health link specifically. Um, I would, I would that, that is something I would actually need to look up before I say something wrong, but I'm not aware of um, a lot of evidence there. But I think generally there is this idea of, for example, yoga, mindfulness um, training in schools to improve mental health. So I think more generally there is some some, something there, but I'm not aware on the effect of academic pressure directly. Okay, all right, thanks. That has taken us right up to time. Thank you so much, everyone, for the questions. So many brilliant questions. Clearly, a lot of engagement and interest in this topic. Um, so, I'd just like to thank you again so much, uh, Dr. Marie Lula, for your fascinating talk and good luck with all the work. Um, and I just want to let everyone know to join us 
next week on the 17th of October um, with a talk with Dr. Elam Kelman on whether climate change is increasing disasters. Thanks everyone for joining. Bye. Thank you.